We are live. It is 1.05 p.m. Central Standard Time, 7.05 BST, right? British Summertime? Yeah, yeah, it's now. I can't remember. It's all. You guys change it all the time. You got the cool. It's. I love how in the United States it's just daylight savings, but we still call it Central Standard or Mountains. You know, mm. you don't change the name. You guys change the name because because Eagle. Yeah, because the UK. And if you're paying attention to the stream, it is 11.06 Pacific Standard Time because we have the one, the only, Juan Carlos Bagnelli decided to join us for our stream. It's a back in the chat. He decided to spend a couple moments with us. It's greatly appreciated. Juan, how are you, sir? Welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me, guys. We were kind of talking pre-show. Like, It's weird. It really has been like a year since we we just got to chat digital screen face to face so I'm, I'm i'm glad to make sure we don't go too much longer like we've got to shorten up that window on when we get to talk to because i lurk see this is the weird thing about social media and podcasting and streaming <laughs> is i lurk your show on sundays i try not to disrupt the chat i know whenever my name shows up in the chat people will react and then it you like you know you observe something and it changes the behavior of that thing right so I, I almost always have you guys in my ear on sunday when i'm kind of putzing around the house and so i feel like we've been hanging out a lot more than we really have. right yeah and we appreciate that and you know what you know we don't and we honestly are, are glad when you when you decide just to listen or if you show up and it's you know it's disruptive for maybe a few moments but then the kind of conversation kind of gets back and then you make um, you kind of jump in there. So we, uh, and, th and this is really the greatest show to just putz around around the yeah. house to listen to for an hour. And just while you're doing the dishes or maybe, you know, scrubbing a floor. And confirm I do lots of putzing. Right. Absolutely. So this is, this <laughs> I is like the to do that. ultimately putzable show full of putzes, not one, <laughs> these two no, humans. No, no, no. I, I, I resemble that comment. I feel yeah. like I'm in good company. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So we uh, we decided to uh, have Juan on because it's been uh, about a year, and again, we always uh, let everybody know that really Joe and I met in Juan's community, right? We were yep. fans of the community, kind of started. I've, I've probably been following Juan for, oof, it's been probably over five, six, seven years now. Yeah, it's been Kind of lost track. And then I started with the old show, the Across the Podcast, and then Matt went on to greater things being a Twitch streamer, which is cool. He's doing really well with that. And then... Joe and I decided to, I took a little hiatus and Joe and I decided to pick it up where we left off and still had the two-man interview format. So Yeah, for sure. I, I realized I was him. going through, I, I try to do like a podcaster plug on the audio version of my podcast and realize like, oh man, I still have the audio clip of Sam and Matt. I still have yeah. Across the Pondcast. You guys need to send me a clip so I can yeah. just put you in the ad block. Absolutely. Yeah. We will do that. We got to maybe write it out this time because I think the across the podcast is just kind of like everything else with the show. Took, we just winged it. And it I did, took and your, it, yeah. I took your clip and I edited it down. So right. I like took out the awkward transitions and stuff. So if you can give me a clean version of that that I don't have to chew up. We can make it happen. But. Yeah, actually, we make it happen. I, might actually want to I have faith a, in you guys. Know, script, maybe. <laughs> that might be, you know, might be cool. So, yeah, we got to get that over to Juan so he can plug the show. And always, is, if anybody is in the chat who isn't paying attention, you clearly know where to go is the SGGQA podcast on Mondays. Unfortunately, it gets real busy for me around that time block. So usually yeah. if I am listening, I'm in a meeting and it's on and it's subtle. And I'm kind of like, as I'm like, oh, I don't need to talk for the next 20 minutes. Okay. A volume goes up and I'm paying attention and I'm trying to get into the chat. So, uh, I, I kind of know, like, you know, doing a podcast on Monday morning, people are actually trying to be productive. Like it's the start of the week. 
I have that same issue too, you know, right. like this is the best time for me to host a podcast. I absolutely know it's sort of the worst time for other people to listen to a podcast, <laughs> but it's the best version of the show that you'll get. If I wait until Friday, I am way too burnt. Uh, there's no oh, way you're yeah. getting a, a solid show out of me on a, on a Friday for a news, you know, topical kind of conversation. Oh, absolutely. And then, like I said, it's definitely a different kind of format than what we bring. Yours is definitely a lot more time. Oh, yeah, definitely. Dive and kind of really kind of and one of those things where I read news articles and I really kind of like I kind of just as a cursory glance, check them out and kind of get the yeah. basics of what's going on. But then if I really know, I'm like, I'm sure Juan's going to talk about this on the show. I will listen because then I can kind of get the commentary, the feedback from the, the community and kind of that. The, the, the whole the whole like. Q&A, the whole like chat interaction of, of doing that makes news so much easier. I mean, it's so much easier for me to stay on top of difficult news topics by making that the conversation with people live. Like exactly. if I were just trying to host and present, it would just be me reading off headlines. And you already right. have that. That's called Twitter. It's called right. social media. <laughs> Um, but it, it really, it's like we go through a part of the article, we try to figure out how this has been impacted and that back and forth. It, it's like having a really good speech and debate club. Like, I have an opinion on something. Can I defend mm. it? Yeah. Okay, now can I refine it? Why do I feel the way I feel about something like that? And now I feel like I've come out the other side with a better understanding mm -hmm. because I tried to explain it in the podcast, literally in real time. You're right. watching me figure this stuff out. One's reaction on the podcast. <laughs> well, and, and so when you say that, it makes me wonder. Is like, so in your your lengthy career of doing that, have there ever been when you, as you're trying to dissect and kind of get a handle of it and get on top of it, have you caught yourself midstream on some news stories? You're like, you're starting to for, like, wait a minute, I'm. It's, oh, it's like it's, it's it's on the change. Like I'm maybe I'm starting to, the the table starting to tilt the other way, and I either want to expound on that and talk about that or maybe that for the future like hey you know last week i was talking about this and then i kind of sat on it marinated and i'm like eh, it, yeah it, it so, changed a bit re, re, so i've always loved doing live like my favorite some of my favorite news bits were going live tv because everything's right. a catastrophe until the camera's on and then you need to make it look perfect right so i've always <laughs> loved that kind of tap dance um often i so i've been doing this so long now my feelings are usually in the general direction it's rare lately that i feel like i had a feeling about a story and boy was i way off now i need to do my shock youtuber thumbnail and my mind was changed and blown and number three will rock your world um often now lately it's been oh my feelings on this were in the right direction and i was not i was way off the pulse for how bad this was going to be <laughs> right like i i was way off in the scale of how awful right. this story could turn out to be and unfortunately that's kind of i think a lot of people are, are kind of feeling that like that's the trend a lot of our tech stories are taking right now like oh we thought this could be kind of bad we didn't know how bad this was going to be and and that's sort of what's the uh the, the sort of the surprise but but more than anything else it's just sort of refining um that that's what i really appreciate it's hey, I have an idea on this story and I think that this is going to be important. We're talking through this story right now. This is a follow-up to something that happened six months ago. Maybe it's tech politics or maybe it's just sort of a regulatory issue or maybe it's like a new phone that's coming out. And then just by having that back and forth, and even with people who agree with me, sometimes with people who disagree with me, it really laser focuses. 
I had this feeling, but now I've worked through the story and I can much better conceptualize what I think the, the meat and potatoes right. of this is. And it's almost never the headline. The right. headline is, is almost always a distraction now. So if you're just going through your sort of casual news feed and you're just kind of skimming, well, like the first line of an article or something like that, I feel our media has done a remarkably good job of distracting us mm. from what the longer term fallout or the, 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 the more serious ramifications of these things can be. I mean, like we're watching right. politics just spin its wheels right now on TikTok and right. everybody is vaguely upset with Congress. Like no one has their back, but everybody is upset with Congress for very different reasons. Right. Yeah, right? And, and realize but, that's pretty loaded, obviously, coming into the discussion. For sure. Right. And, but but again, if we talk through what really went down, like if you tried to sit through that C-SPAN, I had a group of guys on the Discord and we watched almost all of it. And it was a chore. Man, that was not fun. Boy, howdy, our elected officials trying to grandstand for points with oh. their constituents and make these ridiculous appeals to emotion free of reason or evidence it was not a good committee hearing to try and get a handle on what the state of our political discourse is but literally like everyone who has an opinion on this i mean almost universally even if you hate tiktok like I, I'm, I'm not a fan of TikTok. I don't really like their business model. I think we need regulations in place to protect consumers against social media. Ain't gonna come from this. Mm. <laughs> There's not gonna be any change from no. Congress. And, focusing and I would on say TikTok. probably in the last fit, ten or fifteen years, most committee hearings when they do that, especially if it issues to the tech or mm -hmm. it, it's, it's just always winds up being just this kind of like you find out how really tone deaf and how to touch. How, Politicians aren't generally, but yeah. definitely with tech, they don't not only out of touch with the pulse of what their constituents are, but they don't even grasp the fundamental concepts about the tech even operates or even functions. And you can yeah. just clearly see them going up there and just kind of say things that are like, my my eleven year old niece probably knows more about how to use a phone, how a phone functions and works than some of these people who are probably using said device oh. on a daily right. On a, it's and, it's and, nuts. And, and beyond that, so here's my, pre I'm actually going to spoil part of my Monday morning podcast because that's going to be one of the topics we talk about cool. tomorrow. Um, here's, here's my prediction. Uh, corporations have too much power, especially data-centric corporations like Facebook and Amazon and Apple and Google. They, 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 way too much power. And they contribute way too much financially to politicians for mm -hmm. them to ever really seriously get the regulations that they need. That's why I was a fan of Elizabeth Warren going out there and saying we should break these companies up because there are many conflicts of interest. So tech companies have too much power. TikTok represents a unique threat to user privacy and security and especially like national infrastructure. But it's of a very similar threat that Facebook would pose. Hmm. So we're going to see a bunch of politicians puffing out their chests. TikTok bad, China bad. But TikTok is operating within the letter of the law that has benefited every other tech company. Mm -hmm. So you can't really use our current slate of laws to punitively attack one company and ignore all of the transgressions of these other companies. So then Congress is going to say, well, we tried to do this and our constituents want us to go after TikTok. There's just nothing we can do. You know what we need to do? We need to reform the laws that protect these companies. And they're gonna go after the Communications Decency Act. They're gonna mm -hmm. try and gut the protections in Section 230. And that's, that's, their, that's their wedge. 
they're going to do this whole won't you please think of the children social media is dangerous for young minds we need to go after these companies that harm them like TikTok isn't TikTok bad and then that's going to be the wedge that then the government can force other social media platforms to publish what the government wants yeah because that's the I'm argument is is they want to gut the first amendment right to not publish dissenting speech again mm -hmm. we have freedom of speech but in the first amendment we also have an implied freedom from compelled speech so right. the government can't force you to say something that you don't right. want to say and part of that hinges on things like section 230 of the communications decency act so corporations have too much power that's not going to change um TikTok is operating within sort of the regulatory guidelines of the united states they're going to end run around those court protections. That's that's my that's my prediction. That's what I yeah. think is going to happen from from all of this fallout from the TikTok hearings. Right. And that and that was the same thing. Speaking of, um, you know, compelled speech, that was kind of one of the major um, sticking points that Dr. Jordan Peterson was talking about with C-16 in Canada. Right. Is they're compelling me to say this like I have to say this specific thing as opposed to freedom of choice. Right. But this compelled speech now you can't. It's what you have to say in these situations right. by a government. And that's something that I think is dangerous, especially that should should definitely get the, but I, again, it's it's all these plans about how they're going to approach TikTok. It's not just the TikTok. That's why I try to tell people, it's not just yeah. that. They're not just, they're not trying to attack that or, or ban it. There are way more other intertwined things yeah. at play. All that of the spider webs moving out. that and, in. Yeah, it's all, and, it's all interconnected. And for me, this is also why it's like, we're all vaguely, disappointed. We all vaguely have a sense of what kind of hypocrisy our government operates with when it comes to these types of tech topics. And it's also you can point to other trends. Like if you really cared about helping people with these types of services and data and internet connections and stuff like that, well, shouldn't we have a fully functioning FCC? But conservatives are trying to prevent the appointment of the last chair of the FCC. Right. So like, so how much do you really care about protecting consumers when we don't have a fully functional FCC? That's like our right. main weapon in the regulatory space to make sure that these things go down. It can't all go to the FTC, right? It's the Federal Communications Commission. Right, not the Trade Commission, <laughs> right, exactly. But we're going to sit there and grandstand, oh, but TikTok bad. Okay, well, you know, how we operate and how we utilize user data, that is a part of the function of the FCC. So shouldn't they be operating on all wheels? Oh, but we can't let a liberal appoint another chair to the FCC because that would be bad. So we're sitting here, like the big initiative at the FCC is another slap on the wrist for companies that engage in robocalls. But robocalling really hasn't gotten better. Spam text messages really hasn't gotten better. But we'll, yeah. we'll throw some more $1,000 fines at companies. That, that's going <laughs> to that's gonna do it. Yeah. But we can't get to net neutrality. We can't get to broadband distribution. We, we can't go after companies that lie about their market penetration. We can't do anything because the FCC is currently deadlocked. So that's cool. I, I'm sure those politicians really care. They yeah. really care about protecting consumers. That's totally yeah. what this is all about. Yeah, exactly. And um, and to Michael's point, yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, I, I think there's a little bit of hyperbole in all that kind of situation. I was just merely saying that that it was his point was compelled speech, and Juan's point was talking about I compelled mean, speech. I'm not the biggest Peterson fan, but a broken clock was right once that day. <laughs> right. Know? Like, what do they say? A broken clock's right twice a day. That's what they always well, say. I'll give him one. I'll give him one. I feel. <laughs> 
government-compelled speech is a First Amendment issue that we Americans should be hypersensitive of about when a, a when politicians say private institutions must be forced to publish content that would harm their platform. Because right. that, that works for corporations and that also works for people. The government should not be allowed to say you have to publish things that go against your own terms of service or your own relationship with your advertisers or your own relationship with your own readers. Right. That is a First Amendment issue. It's not freedom of speech because it's a private platform. Right. If we want a public platform, we need to fund NPR and C-SPAN and make a public social network. Or like PBS, like be spending PBS, right? I want my tax dollars to go to something like that. It would right. be a dumpster fire. It would be a miserable mess. But then you would have a public place that can engage in that kind of freedom of speech. Whatever that's going to look like because people don't understand the First Amendment anyway. Um, but... <laughs> That's the argument is we're trying to say, well, but you need to make Twitter publish things that Twitter doesn't want to publish. That is a bad argument. That is right. very counter to what we've established as free speech protections in the United States. Yeah, and they are still a plug, you know, they still, if it's, if it's a, it's a private company, you know, they, it is, as much as, yeah. I mean, you don't, and you don't have to play ball. Like I always tell people, it's like, well, Twitter, this, I say, you don't have to have Twitter. I, I last time I checked, there is no constitutional requirement or they don't they're not telling you hey you must have a twitter you know i, I don't what? have facebook i just i don't <laughs> yeah. i don't want to play that game i just don't twitter's the one know. that makes me sad because yeah. with every minor change following musk's acquisition acquisition of twitter i've used it less yeah. now it's basically just a place for me to like advertise when new videos come out i'm not right. on twitter hanging out with people like i used to be right. but but i think what what needs to happen is refinement of section 230 um, because right now you've got corporations like Google. Google has an enormous number of subparts. One of those subparts is YouTube. Another subpart is advertising and sales. Another subpart is publishing. And they're utilizing Section 230 for one aspect of their business and then letting that be a protection for all aspects of their business. And that, I think, is a conflict of interest. They're saying we we can't be held liable for what people post on our platform. That's what Section 230 protects you from, is from getting like sued and, and annihilated or destroyed by the federal government because someone said something naughty on your platform. Back in the old days, it was like if you were in a dangerous situation during a news broadcast and someone said a swear word, the news station was protected against those indecency laws because someone else said it during a live right. broadcast, within reason, of course. So... They're trying to argue, well, we're not a publisher and we don't have editorial control, but we do have the ability to delist videos, block videos, silence videos. So we have the ability to edit the content, mm -hmm. but we're not editors or publishers. And that shouldn't shouldn't be allowed. That, right. That's having your cake and eating it, too. Right. Clearly. And, so, and it doesn't um, take much to dissect that argument. Right. I mean, right. you don't have to you don't have to be like super into it and going. Just on the face of it, it's wrong. Just yeah. hearing the words. You're like, no, nope, that so, shouldn't so be a thing. One part of Google's business does deserve the protections of Section 230. Not all of Google right. <laughs> deserves the protections of Section right. 230. We were pre-show and you were like, hey, yeah, you want to ramble about stuff. And I realized like, man, we just... I just took that directly into politics. <laughs> well, like, that I, well and that's thing. okay. And I just, I'm just more worried about the fact that I didn't want to take a lot of the steam out of tomorrow's show if that was going to be something that really... I'm happy to share any, oh. any place that I can ramble <laughs> and, and, and soapbox. It.
Well, I'll speaking of being the, able to ramble, I see well. that uh, the book <laughs> has gotten a really good up, not just yeah. like a refresh, but like like some seriously additional well, kind. I mean, this is like this is like a DLC, out. man. It's like a DLC. It's awesome. I'm loving it, it, it man. It got really <laughs> big. So, um, yeah, no, thank you for that. I I, I wrote a book seven years ago, um, but the thing that I really love about keeping it as an ebook like it's never been published in a physical format um because i never really felt I, I you know again me being me i just i don't know that it ever needed to be a physical piece of paper um so take better photos smartphone photography for ner for noobs uh, also for nerds but the title is for noobs. yeah no it's just or you have, or you have nerves <laughs> which would be a nerd nerves yeah that works noobs. yeah uh so I, I try to do just light re-edits every year um, but I was getting to the end of, of 2020 and looking into some of the changes that I wanted to write for 2021. And I held off just a bit because I kind of wanted to see what some of these rumors were coming out about things like one inch camera sensor phones and, and higher resolution image sensors and things like that. And uh, I'm really glad I waited. So we went all of 2022 without an update and I kind of poured all of those updates and what I was already planning for 2023 into the book. And it's the single biggest change to the, to the book that I've, I've done since originally publishing it. It started out as like a 200 page, just beginner guide with some light focus on some of the tech. And now it's a 300 page monster where there are new chapters dealing with depth of field of crop factor and calculating equivalency for your focal length and for your aperture. And there's some really techie stuff in there now, while it still starts as like a beginner's guide just to basic composition and artistic merit. So I'm really excited about it because it kind of wraps up a whole bunch of stuff. Almost every single section of the book has been updated. Um, even like I had some original comparisons in there where it was like, well, if you've got an iPhone six and you have a Galaxy S five, you know, like yeah, trying yeah. to talk about <laughs> things like that. Yeah, maybe I don't know. I mean, it's in there somewhere. And it's, I, I still have a few sections that are sort of older because I, you know people have older phones lying around. Yeah. But it was like I'm trying to demonstrate a difference in things like depth of field. That is absolutely not what the market looks like today. So it was right. time to scrap that old comparison point and bring in something a little bit more current, a little bit more modern. Um, so I, I'm really excited, but because I feel like we've also gotten lazy in tech review land, focusing on a type of photography that does not improve with better tech. The point and shoot style photography that average consumers, most people do basic things with their phones, doesn't get better anymore. If you've got a, a Galaxy S7 to a Pixel 6a, you're good. That's average consumer. You're fine. Mm -hmm. your, your phone's taking great photos for those occasional snapshots and, and Instagram posts. Stop. <laughs> you right. can get off the train. You're you, you've, won, you've won the internet. Yeah, I mean, it's... But <laughs> if, if you're looking at doing anything else... so and, and I'm literally talking about, like, someone put you know pulls a phone out of their pocket, pushes the shutter button, and puts it back in their pocket. That's done. That's been done since the Galaxy S7. Literally taking the step to pull phone out of pocket, tap screen to focus on something specifically, push shutter button to take photo, and put phone back in your pocket. You're already operating your camera at a higher tier than most reviewers are talking about phones. Right. Like literally Definitely. the care <laughs> and consideration to focus on something specifically is already a step more advanced 
than most of the blind taste test, like, let's see what phone wins in this showdown of camera sample things. Like, that's all, yeah. you're already, you're already done with the Pixel 6a. Just get right. a Pixel 6a and you're done. Right. And you're great. But if you care, <laughs> even just the littlest bit, <laughs> that's hopefully what my book can, can kind of help illustrate is there's ideas of photography that we learn from mirrorless cameras and DSLRs. And I shot on film when I was a kid. And if we bring those conversations to phones. Magically, our phone photos look flipping incredible now. Right. And if you want to step up your idea, it's not talking about who has the bestest camera app. Mm -hmm. It's talking about composition and technique and the rules of photography and how to control light, just like we would with a standalone camera, but with a focus on what makes a phone unique. Yeah. And like I said, I like about the book is if you're just looking to kind of just understand the basics and kind of get into just a kind of a, I guess I would say a beginner level kind of understanding you can, but then if you need to go deep dive and start digging into calculations and computational photography and focus yeah. and then rule of you know thirds and all those kinds of things oh, right sure. you you can kind of get there it kind of it, it lets you engage that for a person's like i'm gonna go ahead and just i'm good man i think i'm in a good place i know how to do some post edits this is kind of cool and if you want to stop there cool but then you're like i want to build my repertoire and kind of get it to where i can be a better photographer yeah. not just a picture taker right I'm, my, my favorite chapters in the book are dealing with things like hey if you were a fan of impressionistic painting are there things you can do with phone cameras that can sort of invoke some of the sense of of form that we get from blurry representations of classical art right, right? i mean like just just putting that idea in someone's brain and literally telling showing them you have a camera in your pocket that is capable of so much more and you've had a camera in your pocket that is capable of so much more, and I'm saying this since, like, the Galaxy S7 or the LG G4. Mm -hmm. Right. You've been underutilizing your camera to this point since then. Right. <laughs> you know? And now the cameras that are in our phones are shockingly good. Like, the, yeah. the evolution that we've seen into this one-inch sensor is just one of the most profound uh, steps that we've seen in camera ev evolution since I've started reviewing smartphones. So I noticed uh, you have, uh, you're back on the moto. We were talking about that pre-show. So like, um, yeah, so what are you, what are your, what are your thoughts about like, cause you get the, the knock on the moto is, and speaking kind of leveraging into the conversation was, yeah, for you sure. know, it really can't perform like that, but then you're like, well, but if you're willing to do a little bit extra legwork, can't, can you get those kinds of shots? Can you, make that magic happen even on something that would be not a great computational phone quote unquote by everybody else right, saying, right? in, in so, the hands of a capable person can that phone's potential be maximized so I, I i'm 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 so happy with the setup for that uh there sam um the uh <laughs> the thing i love about this moto is it perfectly defines for me how we try to treat all phones as the same thing for all low level average users. A phone is a phone is a phone and a phone does phone things. And if you wanna do tablet things, you need to buy a tablet. And if you wanna do laptop things, you need to buy a laptop. And if you wanna do desktop things, you need to buy a desktop. Um, the Moto still probably goes down as the worst premium tier camera of 2022. And it being the worst premium tier camera of 2022, it is still a fantastic camera where once you get a feel for it, 
it is tremendously easy to get good, fun photos and some casual video. Out of and I feel like that's the big misnomer. Um, the Moto goes down in my books as one of the best productivity phones of 2022. And, and it would easily win my most improved award from just these most recent updates. I put my SIM card back in. We got another OTA. Moto doesn't do a lot of big OTAs. A lot of their updates come directly through Google Play app um, mm. updates. So little components on Motos are updated directly. So you don't have to wait for an OTA to get an update for Ready 4. When you're I was going to ask is... about Ready 4. How's that developed? So good. Oh, it's Has it so got good? good. <laughs> um, so it, it was it was great out of the box, but just like the little subtle refinement that we've seen has come from up app updates. So there's a ready for app on the phone that gets updated directly and you don't have to wait for a big bloated OTA to get all of these little updates. They just constantly trickle through. So the Moto has been in this constant state of evolution as opposed to these big stair steps. Oh, we've got the new One UI. Now it's a totally refined phone, but there are these other bugs, so we'll see you next month to fix those other bugs. The <laughs> right. Moto just constantly is being touched and refined, and the camera is one of those areas where it was almost unusable at launch, and then a couple weeks in, it got better, and now it is a perfectly functional shooter. It's just not focused on the same kind of content creation that we would expect from, like, a Vivo. Um... But it goes down as one of the best productivity phones. So it is a great computer, and it's a good phone. You plug it in, you get ready for it. It's got stylus support at a shockingly low price compared to something like a Galaxy Note. You know, it's, mm. it's just this amazing performance. And what's kind of surprising is even though it ran really hot at launch, because it was one of the first phones to have the 8 Gen 1, um, it's now one of the more better behaved eight gen ones yeah uh I, i've been running it now for a couple days back on 5g and i'm getting like nine hours of screen on time oh, with yeah. moderate they're, they're use battery champs man wow. yeah. Just, yeah. but it doesn't have a 5000 milliamp hour battery so it's right. outpacing a phone like the note 22 by a significant margin it's more powerful in a number of heavy workload tests like video mm -hmm. editing and video rendering it's faster than a note 22 has stylus support like a Note 22, yeah. it doesn't have as fancy of a screen. So the screen can't cycle down to a lower frame rate. It stops at 60. So the minimum refresh rate you get is 60 frames per second when you scale right. it down. So it should be using even more battery life there. And yet, over these updates, it's now one of the longer-lived screen-on-time phones from that era. And I don't know what kind of magic sauce <laughs> Moto <laughs> is putting into it. It's genuinely one of the best computing devices of last year. Even for how we know that there are some definite drawbacks to some of that hardware, it's outpacing devices that should be more refined and should be better behaved. The Moto is winning those fights. So now, I, I maybe I'm walking around with a really great camera phone like a Vivo, and I'm sending that stuff to my Moto and I'm working on it. on it with the Moto. Well, and, 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 and just as a kind of a step back from that, you know, like as far as Ready For and Dex and all these kind of, you know, yeah. lazy. I, I, do you feel like that that is in, that engagement has increased over the last five years? Has it kind of stagnated? And Mike, there, I, I didn't think so. And I'm glad you kind of nodded. 
yeah. mid drink. Why? So I love the multitasking. It's very nice. It's very <laughs> professional. But also, so my question for you is if there were a couple of things, you, what, what do you think that companies could do to, or what do you think has to shift in the marketplace and consumer use to kind of start to maybe shift that to where it's usable? Like, I mean, I don't know if there's, is there a magic pill? Is there market trends that have <laughs> no, to happen no. and can have to converge to make it all work at the same? I mean, I'm not sure uh, what your thoughts are. Unfortunately, I, I think there is a magic pill. The magic pill is you need to spend a billion dollars a year on advertising. Um, <laughs> yeah. No one is going to use Ready4 if they don't know about what Ready4 is. And part of that problem is also Moto shot themselves in the foot with one of the stupidest names for one of the best features on one of their phones. <laughs> Like, that's real dumb. Right. <laughs> yeah. You could call it anything. You could call it computer mode. Right. And you would have consumers, oh, yeah, I heard the Moto has computer mode. And you put right. up a billboard in one city and you take some photos of it on social media. And that would be way better than Ready For. Ready For takes so much explanation <laughs> to describe what it is first right. before you can even get people into thinking about using it. Um, but when it comes to desktop modes in general, because we've got Huawei, Honor, um, uh, Motorola and Samsung, uh, I'm trying to think, like Asus has kind of like a gamer version of that. Red Magic has kind right. of a, a game console, big screen mode for its alternate viewpoint. Um, I, I think one of the big problems is in North America, we put those features on the most expensive phones and then we're shocked that people who can afford really expensive phones already have a tablet and a laptop and a desktop. So their usage of Ready4 is a novelty. Right. I feel we've lost the plot since the LG Velvet because the LG Velvet was a mid-ranger phone that ran a great build of Screen Plus as its desktop mode. And so... Don't you think you'd get a lot more mileage out of a desktop mode if someone who is really considering every dime of their purchasing behavior got a good mid-ranger phone with you know, very good mid-ranger performance, and then they didn't need to buy a cheap-ass Chromebook? Right. Mm -hmm. That changes the conversation dramatically. Yeah. And the only way we can engage on that now is to say, well, I guess you need to buy a two-year-old premium phone and you don't get software updates and isn't that a bummer, but then you could use Dex. Yeah. You're like, that doesn't really land the argument as well. So right. if you really want to change that, that usage, you've got to disrupt where it's most appropriate. I really feel most people who complain, like I'll, I'll pull up like a laptop dock and those things are $300 and someone will invariably say, why don't you just buy a $300 Chromebook? And it's because a four-year-old mid-ranger phone is more powerful than yeah. a $300 Chromebook. Exactly. So instead I'll spend $300 on a simplified dock that lasts for multiple generations of phones and can be used with my camera and can be used with my laptop, and can be mm -hmm. used with my Steam Deck, and can be used with all of these other accessories as a portable display, and it will live far longer than a $300 Chromebook will be useful. That is a much better application of $300, and if I had gotten a phone like an LG Velvet, I'd be in for like, I don't know, what was that, like $900? Yeah. And I have a laptop and a computer and a phone, and it's one of the best featured, you know, mid-ranger phones of its era, competing directly against the, the A70, only it had better performance, better features, had desktop mode and stylus support. Like, that was a great mid-ranger phone. Yeah, and, but and we then, don't have those yeah. conversations until we can spend... <laughs> no decks. 
No doubt. Really? Yep. Really? You can't do it on this? Why not? Thousand dollar MSRP. But yep. that's also the tip of the spear. If if that thousand dollar flip starts selling and starts really making money for Samsung, it will be used as evidence that they can remove other features from their standalone phones. But see, Samsung has a vested interest in selling Chromebooks and laptops. Uh, every other company has a vested interest in selling Chromebooks and laptops. You don't advertise that your laptop powerful phone is capable of displacing desktop or laptop use because they want you to own four computers to do the task of what you really only need two computers to do. And that's where we're always going to be stuck is that kind of marketing and consumerism. I love my Pixel. I love my Pixel 7 Pro, hashtag Team Pixel, hashtag gift from Google, but it is a very good version of a phone that just does phone things. Mm -hmm. If I want to do anything else with it, I, you know what? I guess I got to get a tablet or a Chromebook or something else. But then I pick up this Moto, which right now I think the Moto's on sale again for like 450 bucks on Amazon. Right. So it's in the ballpark of a Pixel 6a, but it's more powerful than a Pixel 7 Pro. Um, I get this phone and I plug it into a monitor and it could, you know, easily satisfy all of the casual computing and a lot of the medium tier computing that I rely on a beefy workstation to achieve. And, and people don't know about it because Motorola isn't spending a billion dollars a year marketing Moto phones in North America. There's just no, like, there's no return on that investment right now until right. they can see phones getting sold. The fact that you can buy a Moto Edge Plus for $450, we should all be terrified by. Because that's the death spiral of LG. Right. We're only going to recommend you buy this phone when you get it at fire sale prices. Mm. Expect that Moto is not going to send premium tier phones to the United States anymore because right. they don't sell. Well, and, and that's the problem, Juice, with all these other ones. You got to know the, the Vivos and the Oppos and all those, you know, you know, all these devices and all these Android phones, and they just aren't going to be available in the United States. And I don't really see anything changing if carrier engagement stays the same way, if all things are equal. I don't know how, how, do, how does, you know, Vivo Sam, and Oppo and these one break in? They just, they don't. So even well, they Oppo, don't. even Oppo in the UK, they're not putting their flagship ones out this year. Uh, they're only doing their foldables. They've totally changed their strategy. All of the top tier phones are staying in China. Mm -hmm. We're getting the, the premium tier, but we're getting the sort of middle premium tier. We're not getting the, <laughs> all of the pros and we're not getting all of the ultras. And mm -hmm. that is going to be a continuing trend because they know they can, those phones are expensive to make and they probably don't make as much money on them. Even though right. premium tier devices charge more, you sh should expect a higher you know, profit margin on them. But they know they can satisfy the local market they'll mm. sell like hotcakes in china they can make a limited run on the manufacturing sell out like crazy they will be held up as status symbols on their home turf where they they're poor android phones here you have the wrong color text message so you have a poor person android phone no matter <laughs> how much you spent on it no one cares about a galaxy like that is not a status symbol here in the united states right. so why would you devalue your product have it sit on store shelves work so hard to get into the market right now you're facing regulatory pressure from china bad mm -hmm. because we're trying to block any chinese company that's that's uh that that's operating internationally here in the united states there's no there's no point you have to suffer all that grief to what sell a couple thousand units like right. that doesn't make any sense at all yeah. so all that tech is staying there and we're going to be about two years behind on things like camera technology unless sony decides to bring an option here 
we'll be two years behind the best camera tech that's currently available internationally. And we should yeah. be upset about that. We should not be saying, it's very oh, sad. but a note, a note is almost just as good enough. I'll spend $1,200 on a note because it's almost the same, but it's not as good. Like, yeah. no, we should be saying, like, why can't we... 200 megapixels. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> that always makes it better. That's better. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's just it's just disappointing. I mean, like I said, I I I was I was actually excited because I guess a lot of people remember is AT and T was almost having Huawei devices in yeah carriers. I have they were like I have it was like Mate. within two weeks of actually happening, and then when then I have the Mate 10 Pro that was sent to me as a pre-release unit that was going to be the AT and T version. I have yeah. it on my shelf. It's a museum phone for me because it was an amazing phone, and that's when all the fallout happened yeah. with that's when excuse me excuse yeah. me excuse me I, I, <laughs> yeah I know everybody. Just what was, was, China. That, was that china. trump era china. i want to say the beginning of the fallout was uh when did the mate 10 pro launch i thought it was like 2015 2016 kind of time frame i might be wrong but i, I know i'm gonna have that... to look it up I, I might be a year off i want to say it was the tail end of the obama administration but so, do you know what that that messed up a lot of the rollout of 5g as well because a lot of the components were from huawei yeah. In the UK, they ripped loads of Huawei components out. It was it's just crazy. Yeah, and then, like I said, it's one of those the things backlash. where, and, and now with the current, you know, climate when it comes to to those devices, I think it's just going to be like Juan said. I think we're just kind of stuck. Where and who who could be who could less be happier than Samsung and, and Apple? They're like, oh, well, yeah, yeah. thank <laughs> God, because that they did the, all the all the legwork. They they mm -hmm. this has been more effective at stymieing competition than anything mm -hmm. an actual company could probably pull off. They're like, we couldn't pull this off if we wanted to. And, and then like, and that means they were probably behind it. <laughs> no. Well, they, well, they, I feel like there are conversations where these companies can lobby effectively and contribute. And it seems right. like mm -hmm. Samsung is doing a better job of that through their semiconductor industry and their international presence and a lot of other components. Um, but yeah, it, it, if we ever look at, why hasn't the top tier Samsung Slate phone changed significantly since the since the last version of the Note? You know, since the S20 era, we've been refining, but the phones haven't changed in any significant fashion. And we're still acting like every year this is a revolutionary improvement to smartphone computing. But this year especially, nothing that makes the Note 23 better came from samsung true <laughs> like the the main reason why if you were an international samsung fan that you would want to jump on this phone is because Excellent it's phone. using a tsmc qualcomm chip not a samsung exynos chip and that's that the only reason huge, i got one <laughs> that is a huge upgrade for mm -hmm. international consumers here in the United States and in South Korea on Samsung's own home turf, where they did that not was funny. Exynos either, <laughs> right. it's kind of just business as usual. We've always gotten the best mm -hmm. version of the Galaxy because we have the Qualcomm version of the Galaxy. Right. So even, even though the Note 23 improves on the power, performance, and battery life of the Note 22, not because of Samsung. Right. Samsung didn't get that <laughs> job done. So it's that kind of thing where we, we, we drop the ball on all of this messaging. Like, it really pissed me off that the Pixel was getting tagged for this new modem vulnerability. 
Right. You're like, oh no, pixel owners. Google says disable VOLTE because you know uh, you can be compromised. Yes, that was a security threat for pixel owners. The headlines should have been Samsung modem vulnerability is compromising millions and millions of Exynos-powered Galaxy devices and pixels that use the Samsung modem. Think about how many couple millions of phones that Google sells, and then think about the hundreds of millions of phones with Exynos chips that Samsung has sold. The, the quality of the threat, the, the degree of the threat was, I don't know what, 10 million pixel owners versus hundreds of millions of Galaxy A and Galaxy S owners internationally. Right. So if we're, we're not putting that into perspective, but we're, we're doing that because if you try to make Samsung owners upset, then your publication gets less clicks. Right. But you can make Samsung owners feel better because Pixels have this problem too. So it's okay. It's right. okay. It's not just Samsung. Samsung. It's not a Samsung problem. It's, it, I mean, Pixel owners, you know, because, yeah, Google should have fixed that. Right. And then that's and that and on you because then you, you went to the pixel land, so then you have to take it. There's a little <laughs> bit of a vulnerability. Then you have to you, then that's where you get. Yeah. If you would have stayed Samsung, you'd have been okay because you didn't have an Exynos domestically and you didn't have that pesky pixel problem. Yep. Ooh, pesky pixel. But but again, it, it all just kind pixel. of bleeds in it, it just all kind of bleeds into this sort of lopsided view because what, what really challenges uh you know, or, or I guess I should say what really monetizes is traffic and you get the most traffic in North America confirming what people have already bought. And it, you know that 80% of the market is going to own an iPhone first, a Samsung second and a motor and a Motorola third. Right. And so you have a steep sliding scale of the Android devices. You'll always say the Samsung is the best because it, it sells the most. So it's this faulty appeal to popularity. And then you can always say in an Android versus Apple showdown that the iPhone is the best because in North America, that's 50% of the market right there. Right. And you'll never really climb out of that because if you challenge that, you will make less money. Right. You will get less views, can confirm, because I don't right. really review Apple or Samsung that dramatically oh, yeah. anymore. So, you know, when I'm really trying to talk about competition, let me tell you, don't make a YouTube channel like mine you will not make money on it. Right. <laughs> and and, and that just goes, I mean, I, I guess since you started, you know, your, I guess, YouTube tech commentary journey, like where we are yeah. maybe five years ago to now, are, is the, are we just now getting to the cusp of narratives being more toxic? Like, it seems like every story now is just like, it's this pendulum of, Pixel sucks. Now Samsung did the moonshot, and like you know, it's it's is it getting worse? And if so, is there any kind of plateau and some rebound, or are we just going to kind of devolve into this tribalistic kind of? Well, I mean, we, until there's only one I, left, until there's one I, one phone I, to rule I, the world. I would say we've seen sort of stair steps down to the cellar. We've seen little steps down to the basement of of deplority. Uh, um, I, I mean, I want to say like the trend started with Mac versus PC commercials because <laughs> yeah. that started out fun and then it got kind of mean. And then Apple sort of walked it back 
they realized that the PC character was actually getting a lot of sympathy in their ads, and so they stopped comparing their products to their competitors' products. That was a big turning point in Apple marketing. I feel for mobile, we really saw that ratchet with Samsung. Um, Samsung kind of took the template of us versus them and tuned it to a really toxic degree. Samsung marketing set the tone of bullying first. Right. Because it wasn't just Samsung making fun of Apple. It was Samsung making fun of Apple, making fun of Apple employees in their commercials, and also making fun of Apple customers in their right. commercials. Yeah, they, 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 they were pretty they were pretty aggressive about attack. I mean, they were it was a on, full on assault. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so there's a certain type of consumer who really loves that kind of gamesmanship and they're, and they suck because they take that and they say, you know, it's, it's okay to bully other people. Those people suck. I don't want anything to do with them in my comments. I'm actively muting anyone that starts picking fights. If you can't rationally discuss, like, cause I pick on Samsung Knights a lot in my right. videos. Um, I'm fine <laughs> with Samsung fans because there's a lot to celebrate in a good Samsung device. But someone who is never going to rationally ever budge on attacking criticism of Samsung or who will go to a video like, I I've got a video out on the Motorola, I like the Motorola. And then I get Samsung fans going, but what about how it's not as good as the Galaxy? You didn't tell me that the Galaxy was better in your Motorola video. That person's just evaporated. I'm I don't have the time <laughs> or the patience to deal with anyone like that. Right. Um, so I feel like that was another major transition point. But from there, I feel like what's accelerated in North America is the social conditioning of Apple services. Mm. So mm -hmm. internationally, we don't see people struggle with this as much. But right. in, in North America specifically, we're so far behind on messaging. We're reliant on old technologies like SMS. It was kind of like payments, right? Like across yeah. the world, they were like, wait a minute, you still swipe a credit card in North America? What, what is this, the dark ages? They had yeah. chip and pin, they had tap and pay, they had all these other things before Apple Pay really kind of took over. Right. They were well ahead. I remember visiting Vancouver and being like, this is magical. Like my yeah. card has this little symbol on it and I can just sort of hover it over the key. I don't have to touch anything. This is amazing. Right. And then I was, was amazed weird. the first time I saw it. I was like, right. oh. It was years before we saw POS systems in the United States take over. So messaging is similarly built on this antiquated infrastructure of texting, SMS and MMS messaging. So if we're fans and we're enthusiasts of tech in general, the thing that's going to burn us is we are about to face a generational crisis of competition. Anyone under the age of 20, there is zero interest in premium Android. None. It, it does not statistically exist for phones over $300, $400. Android is a non-starter. It is a no-go. Right. And we're about to usher this whole next generation of consumers into the marketplace where they'll be buying their own devices and subsidizing their own devices. And they're not going to care about things like right to repair and competition. And they're going to look at the color of the text message because that's what they've been trained to see. And their parents have taught them to do this because we're getting green bubble bullied by other parents at my school. Then there is no traction. We're already seeing the fallout from that happen. There is no one plus 11 pro. We have a OnePlus 11. Right. There is no Vivo 11, IQ 11 Pro. That only exists in China. We're not getting a Moto Ultra 
in the United States. All of the top tier phones are starting to, to wither and fade because you're not going to make any money on them. And what's generationally cool is about to sledgehammer us in the face. And the thing that sucks is we've kind of rolled with it and we've kind of just accepted it and we've kind of pushed it as a narrative because so many people make money on this type of us versus them gamesmanship. Right. But the market spoke and the market said, I don't want to be bullied by my peers and I don't want to be ostracized by my peers by having the wrong color text message. <laughs> and that's what's going to motivate the vast majority of next generation consumers to, for buying their their gadgets. So we're screwed. Yeah. <laughs> I really it's believe that. I mean, that's, that's like, what happened with my daughter. She, years, you know, she was dead. using my HTC. She was using my OnePlus 6. She was all Android. And then eventually she's like, Dad, it's just, it's just too much. I can't, you know, all my friends have iPhones and it's just, they're not necessarily pressuring her, but it just was like, it was this omnipresent kind of, oh, yeah. she was the one using every. We, we've we're using a non-Apple device and people kind of side-eyed her a little bit. And we, then, we, we've got two yeah. parents in our sort of parent group chats that will comment on every single green bubble that they see. <laughs> like literally every God. single, oh, oh geez, there's another Android user in our group chat. And they're never saying like, oh, you should buy an iPhone. They never finish the statement, but we all know what the implication well, they, is. Yeah. Right. It's, and, it's implied. The, it's like, you should just like quit being a basic mm -hmm. peasant, surf, right. human. And, right. and the thing that sucks is they don't know that they actually have the worst messaging experience. Because Google Messages fixed emoji reactions on Android phones. I see the little thumbs up and thumbs down and smiley faces and hearts. It's the iPhone users in the mixed group chats that are getting the so-and-so liked a photo, so-and-so laughed at a photo. They're getting the text duplication reply. Right. I'm not getting it because Google can make a good messaging app that beats iMessage now in the modern era. Mm -hmm. So the iPhone users are complaining that their messaging experience has gotten worse, but they think it's Android's fault. And that's what Apple mm -hmm. marketing has done such an amazing job of conditioning consumers that whenever something doesn't just work, it's a problem with the competitor. But really, this whole time, it's been Apple breaking standards, not supporting current standards. And then, oh, gee, I mean, if you were just only talking to iPhone users, then all this would just work. Yeah, I guess just Androids happened. can't make can't make something that just works. But it's always been an Apple problem, like Bluetooth file transfers. Why can't they just airdrop? I guess you should only send files to iPhone users. You know, like uh, being able to connect a USB cable to a Mac and transfer files from an Android phone. Apple doesn't support MTP. It's not a problem with the Android phone. It's a problem right. that Mac is too stupid to use. Right. And, it, and it's properly. called a protocol for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we're so far removed from like when, when Steve Jobs was at a Mac world in 1999, standing on stage next to a, I think it was a power Mac talking about, this is how Apple is driving the adoption of standards like Firewire. Like Apple used to be the company that would usher in the next phase of whatever the standard was going to be. And right. it was a broad compatible standard across the entire tech landscape. Now Apple is the company that is increasingly trying to break the standard so they can sell you a more expensive proprietary solution and then also wreck your ability to fix your gadget if there's ever a problem with it. So you just have to buy a new one.
and I just find it funny how the juxtaposition was. That was always the knock when they were they were mad about PCs, right? That's okay, everybody's proprietary this and an IBM cable and blah 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 blah. Said so people used to get all <laughs> sideways and pissy about it, and then it's like Apple does it because they sold it in a slick kind of mm-hmm. like all inclusive. But, but yeah, I know where it's proprietary, but you're part of the good team. You're part of the good people. You're part of the <laughs> smart ones who are you know like who get it. You get it. Those Android people. They don't get it, right? They don't understand right. what we're. They don't understand. It's like it's a lifestyle. But, it's like, but, but no, we're saying we, get I mean, it. <laughs> we, we can talk about this and we can kind of appreciate because I think a lot of people who are fans of technology, they assume that other people are just as rational as they are. Yeah. Like Samsung <laughs> fans don't understand how toxic Samsung nights are. Mm. iPhone yeah. fans don't understand how vicious iPhone sheep are. They don't get because they they they're using their like yeah I don't have a problem when my Android buddy likes a photo and I get to do yeah it sucks but whatever and they shrug it off and they keep talking to their friend so they they're rational but they don't get that the broad consumer trends are pushing this behavior in really toxic ways like way worse than like Ford versus Chevy back in the day or sports team rivalries it has now become this really insidious layer of consumerism to the point where. There is no market data to suggest anyone under the age of 20 is ever going to buy an Android. <laughs> like if they really have you the option to, and they're going to spend more, they're always going to spend more on an iPhone. If they default, right. then they know that they're going to be ostracized for having the Android in their group circle. So, you know, I think Samsung was part of the problem as well. You know, going back to what you said about Samsung bullying um, tactics. What they used to do, they'd obviously say, oh, you've, you know, you took the headphone jack away and then they'd follow suit. <laughs> it's so yeah. embarrassing. Well, but they've done it time and time and time again. It's know, embarrassing for Android. Box, memory and, card mm-hmm. expansion. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't like the whole, <laughs> I guess my, my thing with that is I didn't like the whole wall hugger ad campaign. I really, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I thought that was kind of a crappy thing to do. It's like. You know, it's like, that was like you're, you're, you're just walking through. It's like, oh, look. And all these iPhone, like, literally, they're, like, at the bulkhead, like, tethered to it. Like, oh, I can't move. It's like, it's just, yeah. it, I, didn't, I just don't like those tactics. I just, I don't, I never, I, I never. I, ugh, I was a pretty aggressive. I mean, I would even maybe call myself a former Samsung Knight, especially up into the era around the Note 4. Like, ugh. man, Samsung could do no wrong. I was on board. These, these you know, specious Apple lawsuits about IP theft, but Samsung was doing this all right. And uh, I think for me, I stopped having fun with the marketing um, when they started making fun of Apple employees. So they had that one campaign where it was like this doofus Apple bro and like he couldn't get anything right. And then it really, for me, it really turned when there was the samsung campaign where they had the iphone consumers who had shaved the notch oh into their hair (laughs) and you're like you know what that that's actually not cool that that actually now uh, even for me like i can't find anything to to justify that 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 is just toxic that 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 doesn't contribute to me liking samsung products it doesn't showcase anything that makes samsung a better buy it doesn't talk about features that consumers would care about and literally every time that we've seen smartphone manufacturers invest a ton into marketing the only thing that sticks is showing how your product deserves attention Mm -hmm. not how it's better than the competition but what does your product do when samsung that's where google got it right I think so what 
I, I completely agree. They're not putting iPhones in their commercials. They're not mm -hmm. making fun of galaxies in their commercials. They're talking about the color accuracy of your skin in the camera app. And Which you know is what? a big feature. Right. And they're also doing that with around a billion dollar marketing campaign involving the NBA. <laughs> so right. it matters. If they had just spent a, a ton of money, like LG, LG spent a ton of money to have Joseph, Joseph Gordon-Levitt playing drums in a subway. Right. Does that tell you anything about their product? Or, or the, uh, young, the Jason, the Jason Statham going down with missiles flying around? It's like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Or HTC having the the Downey Jr. and the Gary hipster Oldham. Troll, hipster but troll. I was still okay with the Gary Oldham because Gary Oldham. Look, well, Gary Oldman's saying, awesome. But, but I was just like, yeah, it, none of it had those nothing to do with the phone. It was just like... Told you anything about those things. Mm -hmm. peak, the peak era for Samsung was the Galaxy S10. And the Galaxy S10, surprise, surprise, is the least iPhone-like Android phone that's maybe ever been built, aside from my personal favorites, phones like the LG G8 and the LG B60. But we're talking premier tier, right? The, the highest mindshare, the biggest advertising, marketing campaigns, Galaxy S10. It had features on it. <laughs> it had differences <laughs> from the iPhone. And we should not be surprised that from the S10 to the S21, over two generations of Samsung phones, sales fell over 40% in Galaxy S land. And they've fallen, they've continued to fall. So to the point where Galaxy S now represents less than 10% of the total phone sold by Samsung. And the only Android phone that ever cracks the top 10 is like a Galaxy A13. Right. A13 sold a lot, yeah. There is no interest in premium Android mm -hmm. below the age of uh, below the age of 30, really. But seriously, right. the next phase of consumers coming up, the next tier, the next generation, zero. So what what benefit does a company have bringing a thousand dollar phone to the United States? Because no one's gonna buy it. Right. Yeah, unless it folds. <laughs> Maybe. But even then, because yeah. the Galaxy Z series has not closed the gap on the loss of sales we've seen in Galaxy mm -hmm. S. So the promises of a more fragile tablet that turns into a double thick, <laughs> awkward phone have not replaced no. Galaxy S10 sales. Yeah. Like they basically just helped supplement when we had an S and a Note. So that we're kind of back to the number of phones that were sold when we had two different premium tier slate phones. That's right. about where we've kind of crawled back to, but that's still not enough <laughs> to no. really move the needle on consumer awareness. And it becomes just that novelty of like, okay, so yeah, your phone folds, but what can you do with it? And mm -hmm. we sold consumers on, but your phone does basic phone things. And so if you do basic phone things on the big screen on a Z Fold, often you're not getting a better experience because apps aren't formatted for a four by three squarish larger surface area display. Why would you want to multitask? I can't multitask on my iPhone and it does everything I want it to do just fine. Yeah. They're not going to care. You're not going to win no. that fight by trying no. to tell them that the productivity is cool because they're trained to think that phones just do basic phone things. Right. So the whole education of this has completely jumped the tracks and we're not really selling the merit as much as we're selling the popularity, but Samsung can't win that fight. And that's right. what they're pouring a ton of their marketing into. And that's why the Samsung Knights, I think, have gotten especially vicious over the last couple of years because the marketing isn't true. And they kind of hinged their self-identity on being a part of this winning team 
but it's not there anymore. Yeah, they're not ready. <laughs> yeah, I, I will tell you though that I it, you know, with the duo, I, I wish they really would have done a better job of you know, marketing it. Clearly, obviously, same thing with Windows sure. Phone, right? Microsoft just does not do their mobile space or their mobile stuff really well. I, I still hold Sam. I mean, I know we've had this conversation a bunch mm-hmm. of times. I, I'm repeating myself here, and I think we maybe even had the same chat last oh. time it's on. Well, I'm sure. Um, I really believe. <laughs> that and i was happy to pay into it because i own both a duo and a duo two that i paid full msr yeah, me for. Too. um for me especially using the duo two this was a platform for microsoft to figure out mobile they were building the best surface that they could it had nothing to do with making a better android phone but out of the duo came incredible support for android and windows 11. Right. Out of the duo came a much better understanding of ARM SOCs, performance for apps, and that's where we get the Surface Pro 9 SQ3. I feel like out of the duo, Microsoft's premier hardware team learned so much more about how services work on smaller screens. So I was right. here for it. Yeah, I wanted the best Surface I could get, and I got it. And I still love my duo and duo too. I think they're the best tablets I've ever used. They're not good phones, but they're the best <laughs> tablets right. I've ever used. And so now from there, all of the improvements that Microsoft ushered in for making a better Surface are coming to Android 13. Right. So the whole way that Android 13 operates with tablets, we wouldn't have if it hadn't been for Microsoft and, of course, for Samsung and DeX and uh, software like that, too. But Android as a better multitasking uh uh, experience on a larger screen comes mm. from Duo and Fold. Well, sure, link to Windows. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. Like yeah. I said, I, no, nothing is more enjoyable to me than being in like at a coffee shop or being in public and pulling pulling this thing out. That's so good. And just and just and just using it. Like I'm not even aware of it. I'm just kind of like you know oh, I'm getting just for people that are, are not watching. He's got his Duo, not his um, thingy out. Right, my thingy, my duo. He doesn't and pull that out in cafes, no. Skin, skin by extremeskins.co.uk. Get you one. That's what it is. Get yourself one. Skin your shit. Skin your shit. <laughs> I don't think they're going to use that. I, I kind of stepped into that tagline. This is and then best, I, I don't... best advertising campaign that will never get used. Right. It's, yeah. yeah it, guys, we, oh, we, we can't use this like at all. They're like, oh, yeah, no. We, we can't leverage Yeah, cool, that. guys. We love it. Keep talking about us. Right. We're not going to recognize you at all. But what cracks me up is... <laughs> Even with all the thing, A55, no NFC, using this. And I mean, I have people that are just like, I'm, I'm sitting there just kind of getting ready to use it. And, and they're just, people are looking at me. I go, what? And they're like, what is that? And I said, this? This is a, it's a mobile computing device. It's like a phone, but it does like t- multicast. It's like, you know, they're like, they, I mean, they think you're like, you're from 3021. They're like, what? I was going to say, Sam then says, I'm from the future. Right. Yeah, and then and it's and you know, the funny thing is, one, it's always Apple users. Every yeah. single time. It's iPhone users I, going, that's a thing. So, like, do you like does it make phone calls and stuff? They go, Yeah, it takes pictures, makes phone calls, you can split I fold it over, you can read books, you can you can tent it up and watch a little video. And they're like, Yeah, what is that? What they are completely and, and, and mesmerized. None of them knew it existed. Right. It's none totally full. And then the, just and then getting that if you're a tech nerd, which we all are on oh, the show and everything. So nice. It th- that conversation and it my wife just goes, Oh god. Guy, he's god. doing it again. It's like please don't <laughs> encourage him. He's not you're not helping the situation. I'm trying to So so I, I have a I have a cousin who just graduated from college and he is like diehard Apple kid. Like yeah. 
he's he's the kid who has to have an iPhone Pro just so he can watch Twitch. Yeah. Okay. Like, I didn't know that was. And a then thing, I make okay. fun of him. I, so I, I'm watching him like on his phone and he's doing something and you're like, he can't leave this Twitch stream because there's going to be some kind of like contest or giveaway or something. Right. And he's asking other people around him to do other things on their phone so that he can just keep his Twitch stream. Up. <laughs> and I'm okay. making the joke. Like you can't, you can't, you can't do my two task? things at the same time on your $1,200 iPhone <laughs> pro. But the only time I ever got that, that, whoa reaction out of him was on the duo yeah and handing him the duo and saying yeah it's like if you had an ipad mini that fits in your pocket and could also be used as a phone and it was just like his world tilted five degrees right never oh but then and the ipad mini can do oh and then that oh that's that would be cool like and but I, then he said i could get down with that but then he said it has so, green bubble Right. Well, yeah. So there's that. But it was also it was also said with the sort of the foresight of I'll totally buy something like that when Apple does it. Yeah. Right. Oh God. And and that's yep. like you know what we've really like three or four years um, removed if, if from at all. folding phones being a thing. Yeah. So the uh, the the problem is like I would look at that and say like you know I would probably be deeper in the Apple ecosystem if I could use an iPad Mini as a phone. Why can't I use it as the primary phone number, connect an Apple Watch? My, I have my Apple Watch. Why can't I connect this to... You see all the dust that just kind of flew yeah. off of it? I don't use it that often. <laughs> it's kind of like the um, commercial with the purple, like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Great effect. I get an LTE or 5G-enabled iPad mini, connect it to this, connect my AirPods to it, Use it as my primary phone. There are so many times I never interact with my phone to do things like take phone calls and check my messages. Why can't I do that? Because Apple doesn't want to sell me an iPad that would displace a potential iPhone sale. There you go. And there now Samsung be. is following a lot in that kind of not quite the same consumer lock-in, but similar so that these features won't work with other devices and you need to kind of keep everything at the same level. That. Yeah, you don't and want to cannibalize your own, should... your own group. But I mean, here's the funny thing. If you're Apple, you're already to the point where I think that ball is now rolling. I, I don't think, you, I think people would still buy the iPhone even if they had the iPad just because it's it's so yep. a thing now. It's, it's almost become a conditioned yeah. response, right? They would just buy it anyway. Absolutely. So I, I mm -hmm. think if you're Apple, I say, well, hell with it, just go for it. Because I mean, you're not going to, I think Samsung and Google are, are very aware of cannibalizing their own market, right? Yep. I think Apple's like, these people will just buy whatever we sell. But I'd probably mm. be on an iPhone Pro if it was running iPad OS, if it had a calculator on iPad OS. Because that's it could, not a thing. Uh, And <laughs> it, it could also have a USB-C, yep. a fully functional USB 3 uh, USB-C mm -hmm. port, just like the iPad. I, I mean, I would have an incredibly difficult time not jumping on the iPhone train if that's what an iPhone could do. But that's right. something that we take for granted on mid-ranger Android phones. Like, that's the kind of compute functionality that's different that no company is advertising because they don't want to scare off consumers from thinking that this stuff is too nerdy. So instead, they all just kind of end up in a... This, a downward spiral circle of trying to convince consumers that they're just as good at the iPhone at doing basic iPhone things. And that you're never going to win consumers over there because why would you buy something that's just as good when you could buy the thing that really is the thing that they're all trying to copy? Right. Well, 
we are at one hour and 11 minutes. It's been such a, I mean, Sam, fast. there's one thing oh. I've got to do though. We had a, we had a fantastic segment last oh. week, right? It was what's in Sam's drawer. And I want to ask what's in Juan's drawer. We're what talking in your drawer, there, drawer in your kitchen. We're talking in your, what office. random stuff have you got in your drawer on? Right. <laughs> have you seen my bookshelves behind me? Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. well, the funny thing is when this we, is what I love about it. It could be random. When Anything I, random. When I suggested I, this to Joe, I said, I, I think we would need a whole show just to get into <laughs> what's, well, first of all, a drawer, one, and then getting through said drawer probably would be an entire show. It could be one's um, new Patreon video. What's in one's <laughs> drawer? <laughs> right. I'd watch that. I'd so watch that. Same. Hashtag unrated, hashtag gone sexual. Is that still a <laughs> right. thing on YouTube? So the, the literally the only drawer I can reach because I've got my production drawers. So I've got like a drawer that's full of camera equipment. I've got a drawer that's full of like audio gear. I've got a drawer that's full of like chargers and stuff. I think the only thing that's in this drawer here are like old IKEA instructions, and nice. I've got like, <laughs> baggies full of twist ties. From oh yeah, yeah, products yep. and stuff. So that's great. But I kind of just use my whole desk as a drawer. So if you guys want to be grossed out by what yeah, we the do. life of a tech reviewer looks like, I'm going to start stacking. Oh, some of these are on. I should probably turn them off. And this isn't a brag. I actually have a big problem with getting rid of old <laughs> devices. And I'm, I'm increasingly trying to find opportunities. Because like some of these import phones, I don't really want to give to charity. So there's one stack. I'll set it's making up. a house like Lego. Right. And um, so here's here's some more. For all of the kind of long-term and follow-ups and things that I'm trying to examine, this is just what's on my desk. And uh, <laughs> I, I want to find better opportunities to, to like, recycle and um, kind of make sure that these just don't end up in landfills. So there's a second stack. And then uh, we'll, we'll do a stack of, of earbuds. So we'll, we'll keep going <laughs> here. You're gonna run out. You're gonna run out of hand space very quickly with the earbuds. Yep. They're not exactly well, uh, and, compact. And I got to be real careful too because the phones are all now starting to slide because right. I stacked them and all the camera sensors <laughs> are going. So they're they're oh, oh I just dropped. Oh no, those were expensive. Um, and then so two more right here. Oh, and Pixel Buds. I, I got to oh. make sure hashtag Team Pixel hashtag gift from Google. Absolutely. So all, all of those will go in another pile. Uh, uh, we could do headphones. Um, right. I've got smartwatches. <laughs> Um, I love I it. Like, I like micro crockeries. One has a drawer of drawers, plots. just a drawer full of drawers. Yeah, you gotta have that. You've got to have yeah. microfiber cloth. Absolutely. Of course. Uh, solid state drives for projects that I'm working on. Is that? But what ones are they? Yeah, it's. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wh which ones? I, I'm, yeah. I'm mostly using the sand discs. So. The okay. Yeah. Good choice. Products. Good choice. They're solid. Um, oh, DAX. Uh, so I've got a couple DAX and things. Oh, my Griffin. That that actually made it off the desk for a second. So I've got USB and oh, here's a Fio. That's a big DAC you got there, sir. I know. Here's that's another a, that's, Fio. That's legit DAC. <laughs> oh, oh, and and another Fio. Uh, so I've got four. Um, right. So yeah, the the desk is is sort of the drawer. It's sort and of the DTA just wants to make sure that you have a good fire suppression or extinguisher. <laughs> yeah, it's a good it's question. By the bookshelf. Okay, no, I, I can sure. I can go grab it if we need to. No, that's okay. We just want to make sure a DT is always thinking about the practical, and he wants to make sure you're safe. We don't want. So that that is, I mean, joking aside, um, I I, I kind of started out my career, and I I had this love of I, I've had a love of mobile since like the fourth grade, and I was playing with like my parents' scientific and graphing calculators, mm. like. 
I was the kid in the fifth grade who went and got one of those TI, Texas Instruments pocket organizers. So it's just yeah. a fancy Rolodex, but it had a full QWERTY keyboard and I would write little notes in my classes on it and stuff like thumb tic-tac typing on this spongy rubbery keyboard. Um, I went through PDAs. I, I was early into smartphones. I, I really love this stuff. And I've got a collection that I feel are personal museum pieces for me. But in being a reviewer, I mean, getting my hands on stuff and sometimes these companies are really great about taking it back. And sometimes they're just like, oh, no, you should keep it and keep playing with it. And you're like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with a two-year-old <laughs> Poco here in the USA. I can't really yeah. give that away because if I donate it to a shelter and heaven forbid, like, like say I take it to like a women's shelter and they, right. they're trying to get disadvantaged people phones and it doesn't work with AT&T bands. And you're like, you're screwed, right? Right. You're like, I, I'm like I'm I'm going through this like hyper liberal guilt of how do I handle this where it's not just e-waste and I'm just taking it to a demolishing recycling center or something like that. Right. So it is kind of a problem. I, I I highly recommend don't fall into the trap that I've fallen into. If you have any interest in not just technology but reviewing, find a better method of cycling through this stuff more efficiently because i've got a full bookshelf of old 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 devices and one shelf is all samsung so that's scary <laughs> old samsung batteries are, are terrifying not... yeah, yeah. So, like they're like ticking ticking time bomb <laughs> it's like it's like walking the beach and find like an old world war ii like landmine you're like right. i um, went to go ahead and go to the other side of the beach thank you very like, much like 20 years from now it's gonna be like i was going through my dad's old drawer of things and i found this weird note and the battery on the note is all like puffy what do you think i should do with it guys and you're like that's a note seven run yeah. <laughs> just set it down slowly back away slowly don't make any sudden moves no yeah, that's so. So Note Seven was when we were still, uh, we were at Pocket Now. We were still sort of on. Sam Can I swear? Is yeah, that is that okay? Yeah, swear away. So we we were still on Samsung shit list, and their PR was just miserable. So we did finally get a Note Seven to review just when they started doing the recalls, um, and I almost felt like that was punitive, but they wouldn't send us the return kit. So if you remember, like MKBHD oh, yeah. got this like fancy box with gloves and a special container and he could right. send the phone back to Sam Samsung was like, no, nah, you can just keep it. It was almost like Samsung PR was like, we hope you you die in a fire. Right. We hope it doesn't burn your whole damn studio down because we don't like you pocking out jerk faces anyway. So uh, if it can, can, you know, if it can go ahead and burn your shit down, that's cool. We're good with that. Yeah. We're, we're you know, as Samsung, we're kind of fine with that. We right. can handle the liability. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, Juan, as always, we really appreciate. We know that your 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 work is always ongoing. That you're always in the middle of a bunch of we stuff. We saw that, and Joe. Then, and then, <laughs> just for you, yeah, just it's got to remove oh. a little battery. Just saying, it does. It has. Look, look at uh, see. That's brilliant. I love Absolutely. it. Absolutely. All the features we've lost on our fancy phones. Mm -hmm. That's right. I, I asked him, I said, does it have the, the little voice that it makes because he's got buttons? Does it have a British accent? Do toys in the UK all have British accents? I'd assume See, they do. I'm saving that for next week because I need to change the battery. I'm going to change the battery. So, Although, again, so while... Whenever I can, if I have an option to, I almost always set my voice replies and voice interactions to UK English. There you go. Because then it's, got, it's like I've got a fancy butler for... <laughs> he has his own Jeeps. He really has a Jeep. Yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't want it in my voice, though. So. 
Definitely right. not. I, still, I, I just still like uh, uh, when uh, Rob Williams did the bit where he has the uh, the GPS, but it's like an old Scottish guy. Ah, turn right. Ah, you missed the yeah. fucking turn. Right. <laughs> yeah, he goes, I would totally be down for that. It's like where he just hassles you the whole time. Like, you missed the turn, you wee beastie. It's back there. You're like, oh, okay. I mean, I, I know we're trying to wrap this up, and I'm, I'm keeping you long. No, but as old guys, don't, don't, don't you miss sort of like the crazy days of TomTom Tom navigators having like voice packs, like Yoda can give you turn by turn instructions to your destination. <laughs> right. I miss yeah, Yoda's the one. Fun. Absolutely. Definitely. Especially, especially if it's just like, turn you missed, you did. Mm-hmm. It's when you have Chewbacca that you get really confused. Right. Yeah. I had John Cleese. Oh, oh nice. Buried in the John Cleese Tom Tom voice actions, you could get it. I forget how you got there, but you could get it to say, uh, and yes, this really is John Cleese. I'm doing this because I needed the money. Right. Legend. There was like a little Easter egg. Definitely what a legend. Like a little like the, uh, the Andrew Dice Clay little boy blue needed the money. Yeah, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And, and, yeah, and one last like nugget, I think wine would be proud of me. Last night, I don't know why I did, but I got on a plasmatics kick last night. Oh, hey. Oh, yeah. I was just like, oh, okay. and I was like, monkey suit? I go, oh, and that was it. And then it was just like Wendy Williams, and I went into this like two-hour Yeah, you just got in. Oh, it's deep dive time. Of, oh, it was great. I was just like, I thought, I did this, and I was thinking, it's funny, I didn't do this specifically because I was going to be talking to Juan tomorrow, but I definitely oh, yeah, want to make though. sure that I mentioned the fact that I had monkey suit on. on the I mean, na- now I might be up late tonight once yeah. everyone else has gone to bed so i can break out the real nice open back headphones and just jam for a bit so that, yeah, that, so. that might that might be a thing yeah it's mad plasmatics i'm just saying it you know it just you know gets you right so anyway Juan, thank you so much for coming on the show and taking yeah, time out of your great. busy schedule and of course you know we like you said earlier uh, to your point you know we'd like to maybe close this gap on having you on oh definitely on, yeah. as, your, as your schedule permits obviously so. and, and also just I, I feel if you have me on more than once a year i won't have such a backlog of political <laughs> ire right so, it's like, <laughs> uh, i've got to get it out it's gotta go we instead, love it one like, don't worry we love talk it about like pizza for an hour or something like right. that instead, oh and by so. the way st louis fc yeah i have an o, second clean sheet again hey hey Oh yeah, man, it's it's a thing, man. St. Louis FC is kicking butt and taking names in the uh, Western Conference here. Gonna know, dominate. Yeah, until we know friendly times. against like you know, Chelsea, good. They, they lose like ten nothing. <laughs> like, oh shit. Okay, never mind. So, anyways, that's the show for today for myself for for Joe for Juan Carlos Bagnell. Thank you so much for showing up. Stay hydrated. Enjoy your tech. Be excellent to each other, and we will catch everyone on the next one next week. I think we have. Uh, Gigi, we have Rachel coming on the Rachel. show. Rachel. <laughs> Rachel and Reggie. It's going to be a great show. Rachel and Reggie. And I'm, I'm going to be Randy. Oh. Randy Did I just say that? Randy. I love it. Randy, <laughs> Rachel, and Reggie. Right. It'll be awesome. And so tune in for that. Hopefully not terrible, R. awful. Last time I had Rachel on, it did not go at all well. So hopefully I can come back from that. And, <laughs> I, um, I feel you will redeem yourself. I have faith in you. I hope so. I have yep. every watch. faith in you. So that's the Nomad Tech Project for Sunday, March 26, 2023. Again, we'll be back next Sunday. Take care, everybody. We love you. See you on the next one. Peace. Goodbye.